John B. McClendon pioneered it, Rick Pitino mastered it, and Bob Huggins made it an identity. I'm Justice Rohde, and love it or hate it, this is the Full Court Press. Alrighty, welcome back into the Full Court Press, folks. Um, just recapping some March Madness action. Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, coming into this tournament, I don't know if you realize this, they didn't actually win their conference tournament, believe it or not. Um, they lost in the final to Merrimack. And most people, when they got placed in the first four, said, oh, that's the easiest exit ever. Texas Southern's been here a couple of times. There's no way they actually go in and destroy these dudes. When I tell you Fairleigh Dickinson ran them out of the gym, they ran them out of the gym. Johnny Jones, Texas Southern head coach, is standing here on the sideline with the most bug-eyed look I've ever seen. His eyes are wider than a squid at the bottom of the ocean. I mean, that thing, those things were the size of, like, large pizzas at Ramos, okay? These things were bugging, bugging out. It's like Beetlejuice, okay? He's just like, what is going on? I mean, they punked them. They ran them out of the gym, put 81 on them, didn't even make it close. Tobin Anderson, the FTU's head coach on the sideline, fist bumping, screaming, yelling, doing a little double fist shake, you know, just showing some real emphasis, showing some real emphasis. And so they get, they get put in the 16 verse one matchup against Purdue. Everybody and their mother, including me, thought they were going to lose. And they went in there. Tobin Anderson, after the game, said, I believe that we can beat Purdue. I've looked at them. They don't look that impressive, fellas. Mind you, this is a team from the Northeast Conference. Most of y'all don't know half the teams in the Northeast Conference. Half the teams in the Northeast Conference haven't been programs at the Division I level for two years. Tobin Anderson said, boys, I look at Purdue. I think we can win that game. I watched that video on Instagram, and I said, this man needs to be checked into a psychiatric ward immediately. Someone needs to check his mental health. What did they go in and do? They went in and beat number one seed Purdue. Went in and beat him. Not only beat him, punked him. Purdue shot 19% from three in this game. 19%. Purdue has not shot that low since January of last year. They haven't. I was looking at this game and I said, oh, you know, they're kind of close. They beat him by five. Beat him by five. 63 to 58 is the final score. Leading scorer, Sean Moore. Sean Moore. For those of you who don't know, stands at a whopping five foot nine inches. Five foot nine. He stands at five foot nine. Played his first freshman season at St. Thomas Aquinas College in New Jersey, a Division II program that Tobin Anderson was at before he took the job at Fairleigh Dickinson. He dropped 19 against Purdue. Zach Eady, 21 and 15. Everybody else on that team shot down. They shot awful. 19.2%, 5 for 26 from 3. Fairleigh Dickinson, 11 steals. 11 steals. They outran them, out-hustled them, and outworked them. Tobin Anderson fist bumping on the sideline. Matt Painter halfway through the game is wanting to pull his hair out. I've never seen Matt Painter that mad. He walked into there. 
thinking they were going to curb stomp, just curb stomp the bejesus out of Fairleigh Dickinson. I thought they were going to go in there, and I thought this was about to be a generational beatdown. I thought this is going to be something they talk about in the annals of March Madness. This is going to be like a 40-point win if they're talking like this. Fairleigh Dickinson, 11 steals. 11 steals. Three blocks. Purdue, 16 turnovers. 13 personal fouls. Fairleigh Dickinson had 19. They put Zach Eady at the free throw line and said, please, beat us. He didn't. He didn't. They purely didn't. Okay? Fairleigh Dickinson then went on to the next round and lost to FAU. Now, half the country should be turning against FAU because that's the most disrespectful way to ever end a basketball game. When the clock is winding down, you do not walk up with four seconds left and try a windmill 360 at the buzzer. In no level of basketball do you do that without getting your grill punched. No level of basketball. If one of my guys tried that, I'm hitting him before the other team gets to him. What is going through your brain at that point? I don't understand it. FAU, they're going to get curb stomped, okay? They play... Who do they play? Let's see. Who do they play? They play... Tennessee. Tennessee just punked Duke. Tennessee is for sure going to punk FAU. But what a story Fairleigh Dickinson was. All right, let's move on now and talk about Furman for just a little bit. Um, Furman, if you guys don't know, for those of you who don't remember, um, won the Southern Conference Championship. They beat last year's champion Chattanooga, who uh, did not have a great turn outing in the tournament last year. The best player transferred Gonzaga, Malachi Smith. Uh, Furman ends up beating them. And so they come into the tournament. 28-8 record, 15-3, first in the Southern. They average 80.9 points a game. That is 12th in the country, for those of you that didn't know. And so I was sitting, really just sitting, and I was looking at that tournament at a first glance, and I said, oh, Furman, Virginia. You know, I kind of wrote that one off, if I'm being totally honest, and I said, oh, Virginia's going to wipe the floor with them, right? I said, this is a Tony Bennett coach defense, a no-middle defense, which for those of you guys who have never faced a no-middle defense, is like running into a swarm of angry hornets. Those sons of guns will be flying around everywhere. They are running you off the line. They're bumping you every which way, and then there'll just be a pack of them on the baseline. You'll just be driving in. Oh, da, 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 da. I'm going to go get a free layup after I go bump into this defender, and then boom, there's two help side defenders, and there is no available kicks. And you're like, oh, crud. And it's a turnover. Over. That is the simplicity of the no middle defense. They force you away from the middle and then they pack you. They swarm you like a band of angry hornets and then they sting you for another turnover. I looked at Furman and I said, well, this is a little bit of an interesting team once I took a deeper glance. They boast a two-time defensive player of the year in the Southern Conference, Jalen Slauson. For those of you who don't know about Mr. Slauson, he graduated from Pinewood Prep in Somerville, South Carolina. He stands at six foot seven, two hundred ten pounds, averaging fifteen a game with seven rebounds. Two times Southern Conference Player of the Year. I said, "Okay, this guy's a dude. I got a dude on that team." I watched them play the game. Jalen Slauson did whatever he wanted to Virginia. It looked like the second coming of Anton Jameson. Remember when he went on that little March Madness run for North Carolina back in 98? He was a Naismith Player of the Year. Yeah, he looked like that. 
that level of dominance. I watched him on a play. They run this Princeton Chin Shuffle Flex Hybrid, which for those of you who've never played, I'll get into it a little bit, is the most annoying offense to play against because of how many different reads you have to make on defense. He came off a down-the-middle dive. Or no, 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 that was a different play. He came off a down-the-middle dive and got an A1 later in the game. In this play... The ball handler gets doubled after he sets a ball screen. He catches it, decides to drive into the lane. I kid you not, his knee goes up into this dude's shoulder, and he dunks all over him. He baptized the defender in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Virginia's starting center stands at 7 foot. He went up and made him look like he was every bit of 6'3". Complete and utter elevation went and devastated him completely dunked all over him. It was a vicious poster. Dude, it was nasty. And uh, for Slauson, I mean, it was, he was doing whatever he wanted. But again, I, I kind of underestimated Furman because they run this, this Princeton Chin Shuffle Flex hybrid offense that I played against in high school. We played against a team by the name of Regent Prep. And their head coach, uh, Kermit Dees was a, a longtime veteran in the sport. You know, he's a, he's been a head coach for at least 35 years now. Very experienced older gentleman. Really, really knows his basketball, right? His system is built off of maybe he doesn't have the best athletes because Regent doesn't have the best athletes. It's a pretty prestigious school. It's kind of newer. It's hard to get into. They don't have the greatest athletes. So what do they do? They run a really complex offense. Ball goes to the wing. There's 57 different options. I kid you not. I remember talking to Coach Dees about his offense because I was just super curious. And, and he was explaining it to me in a manner of it's all about the read that the backside defense gives you. So they'll, they'll slice cut. They'll do a bunch of different pack screens. They'll work a, a chin, a little chin cut where it's a high post elbow screen. Then a guy will curl immediately off of it, kind of like a UCLA cut, but it's called a chin cut in the Princeton offense like they run. So it's really different. It's different to like watch and, and play against. And it's hard as a defender because it's 50 different back cuts. They'll cut from the deep corner. They'll cut from the wing, cut from the baseline. They'll cut from the short corner. They'll cut from the wings. They'll go straight top dive. They'll go front dive dive from the high post so they'll run a bunch of different cuts and you don't know what you're doing you're sitting there reading all this you're like bro they're all moving around next thing you know a guy steps up from behind you and gets backside layup and you look like a complete nutter idiot we always beat them because we have more talent but i mean it was just a headache to have to game prep and have to play them and that's what uh Furman did and i thought against a no middle defense like virginia they wouldn't be able to run all those cuts man they cut on them all day they did whatever they want to. Now, they did get blasted by a more physical team in San Diego State, but real props to Furman for the job that they were able to do. All right, let's touch on the real Cinderella story of this tournament, and that's Princeton. Now, for those of you who don't know, Princeton is a historic program. They've been a basketball program now for 126 years. and They've been a Division I basketball program for 126 years. They've had a lot of history. Made a Final Four way, way back in the day, back in the 50s and 60s. I think it was 64 they made the Final Four. So they are a historic basketball program. Under the tutelage of Pete Carrillo is when they had their most success. Their, their deepest tournament run to date has been 1996. I mean, to the second round, upset UCLA in a game that was incredible. Sidney Johnson had like 25, and they ran that real Princeton chin offense. You know who the point guard was for that game? I'll give you five seconds to guess it. If you said Mitch Richmond... You're wrong, because that's the wrong Mitch. It's Mitch Henderson. Now, if you said that name, Mr. Mitch Henderson, 
you you might as well just go win the lottery. Like, go cash in the lottery right now. Like, either you got lucky or you are a bigger basketball junkie than me, which, hey, hats off to you. You have less of a life than I do. But Mitch Henderson was the, the point guard for that 19, 1996 and 1998 Princeton teams that made the, the NCAA tournament. He's now the head coach at Princeton. Princeton, for those of you who don't know, won the Ivy League. You know what the Ivy League has? Zero athletic scholarships. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. They are not legally allowed to hand out athletic scholarships to student-athletes. So what do those students do? That's paid off their own dime, and they get, at, and they get academic scholarships. These young men went 23-8 and eight in the regular season, 10-4 and four in the conference, finished first in the Ivy League, beat out Yale. Yale is a, has been a great, great Ivy League basketball program. Them and Princeton have gone back and forth for that bid for a while now. I mean, Harvard's kind of been in the conversation, but they haven't really been there in a while. Um, they average 75.5 points per game. They do not run the Princeton chin offense. They run a hybrid of it, kind of like Furman does, but they got some athletes now. Uh, their best player, I'm going to try to pronounce his name. You guys are going to butcher me for this. Tosin Evbuam. I, I gave it a shot. Six foot seven, 209 pounds from Newcastle, United Kingdom. You know what they're famous for? Soccer. Famous for a soccer team. They're not famous for producing Division I basketball players. But Mr. Tosan here is averaging 14.8 points per game and six rebounds. I, I'm telling you, I'll watch this dude play. He can ball, man. he got a nice handle on him. Physical inside post player, kind of like Slauson, but, you know, a little bit more old school. He go, he'll go back to the basket a little bit more than Slauson from Furman likes to do. But they also, I mean, Ryan Langberg, Matt Alico, I mean, just, just some dudes, man. They got some just straight-up shooters on this team, man. And they really do it. And I tell you what, they got the two first 15 matchup in the first round against Arizona. And Arizona under Tommy Lloyd is one of the best offensive teams in the nation. Finished top five in scoring this year. Boast Kirk Creesa. They boast two Naismith Player of the Year candidates and Azulis Dubelis and Umar Ballo. And I walked into that and I said, that's the easiest two verse 15 I see on the board. See, I thought the two verse 15 was going to be Colgate over Texas. I guessed wrong on that one. It's because these boys from Princeton decided to say, you know what? We're going to beat Arizona at their own game. We're going to go inside on them. We're going to punk them. We're going to send them back to the weight room. Arizona lost to a team of young men that are going to be engineers, doctors, and wealthy, successful entrepreneurs in five years and who are not allowed to have athletic scholarships. Arizona's a nationally renowned basketball program. This is an absolute shame for them. But for Princeton, they went and punked Arizona. Went and shoved them around. It looked like a bunch of schoolyard bullies in there. Got every offensive rebound, out-hustled, out-worked, and outshone. Arizona. Arizona shot terribly in this game. I mean, Kirk Creesa, I've talked about him being an agent of chaos to some of my close friends. Well, in this game, he showed why he was an agent of chaos. Um, Princeton did a really good job of letting him shot Chuck. Now, Kirk Creesa is really dangerous when he gets hot. Let's, let's not put that aside. He's really dangerous when he gets hot. Um, in this game, he did not get hot. This was a grinded out game, 59 to 55. Uh, Eve Bawam, I'm trying to say it, guys. It's, he had 15 points. He's a baller, man. He can really, really go. Nobody else on that team had higher. Tubelis had 22. So they, they tried to punk, and Tubelis decided to punk back. Uh, Kirk Risa had three points. The shooting splits Arizona shot 18% from three. 
Princeton shot 16, but they shot 40% from the f- field and 60% from the line. This is how it worked and out hustled. Still hustled. Had two more offensive rebounds. Had forced 13 turnovers. Had eight steals. Six blocks. Just an all-around defensive masterclass. They then went into the second round and beat Missouri with Kobe Brown, which I thought was a pleasant surprise, but I figured Princeton could probably win that game if they could win another one. And now, later on, they get a chance to go one-on-one with Creighton, and that is an offensive team that I don't think they're ready for, but hey, I'd love to see Cinderella run continue. You never know, folks. I'd love to see a good Cinderella run. Okay, now it's time to plead the case for some of these teams. I'm going to start with Houston to win the national championship. Marcus Sasser, Jamal Shedd, Tremont Mark. Name a better front three. Name a better backcourt three for me in college basketball. I'll wait. Some of you will say, well, well you could argue Brandon Miller, Javon Quinterly, and Mark Sears at Alabama. That's perfectly fine. Sasser, 20 a game. Jamal Shedd, 15 a game. Tremont Mark's the most dangerous 13-5 and five guy you'll see. Because Tremont Mark can go for 30 on any given night. He, man, he is dangerous. He's the X factor on that Houston team. When he decides to go and really be a baller, he is a baller. And don't make me mention that no middle defense that they run to perfection. Kelvin Sampson has drilled that into those players now. Those dudes fly around like bats out of you know where. They fly around like bats out of a dark cave. Somebody shines a light on them. And they just come flying around. Man, they scramble. They hustle. They got length, size, athleticism. They're running, gun. They're flying. Maybe not the five slam pajama teams of those Houston teams with Drexler and Elijah one, but they do have an element of that. Jarris Walker is probably going to be a top 10 pick in next year's draft. He's the fourth option on this team. That's scary. He's the fourth option on this team. Of course, they have... Roberts on the inside, and man, he is a defensive menace at 6'10". He causes a whole host of problems for opposing teams. Now, Houston. Houston's interesting, because Houston Houston gets to play Miami. And Miami is one of those teams where they're Houston light. I call them Houston light. They are a difficult, difficult team. Houston, I think, has enough defensive prowess and enough firepower on that team to make a real run at the national championship. Alabama. Plain and simple, the best offensive team in the country. Now, when I watch them, they are a headache to watch. They are a headache, headache to watch. Um, they will have games where they will shoot 65% from three. They will miss maybe eight twos. They'll hit probably 75% of their free throws, and you will say, you know what, that's the best team in the country. Then they'll have games where they look like a JV basketball team throwing the ball all around the gym, 20 turnovers, just slinging, running, and gunning, because that's the price you pay when you run Nate Oates' offense. And they'll look like they never played basketball a day in their lives. Now they'll grind out a win because they are more talented than anybody in the country, one through eight. But, man, it's rough sometimes. Man, you look at them and you just say, what is going on with those guys? Brandon Miller is going to go top three in the draft. He's their guy. 17 a game. Shoot the lights out of the ball. Shoots the cover off at 42% from three this year on seven and 7.8 attempts. Shoot cover off the ball. Might be the best pure shooter in college basketball, not named Grady Dick. He's incredible. Javon Quinterly, he's found, you know, he's aged like fine wine, man. 
as a as a senior point guard. I mean, he really does a lot and sets this up. He had a 26 piece the other night against. Uh, oh, give me a sec, guys. It's a rough one. Give me a sec. Against so they beat they beat up on Texas A&M Corpus Christi, which everybody and their mother thought they would. And then they went in and beat Maryland and Javon Quinley at 26 and made Jameer Young look like a toddler. And and they got a lot. Noah Clowney's an interesting dude. He's probably going to go top 25 in the draft. I mean, they boast a lot in the interior. Charles Bediaco was a hustle, hustle player, man. He, he might be the hardest dunker in college basketball. I watch him shake that rim, and I'm like, goodness gracious. That thing is going to tear off its bearings. Alabama's dangerous, man. They've been on a click offensively, and they've started to bring it around in the defensive end. So that's the case for Alabama. UCLA. Now, they were injured. They are injured. That being said, even injured, a wounded animal backed into a corner. That's what UCLA's found themselves in. Play Gonzaga tonight. UCLA opened up the tournament by beating UNC Asheville, who was a pretty popular pick for an upset. You know, some people thought that they were the most dangerous 15 seed other than Colgate in the tournament. And, uh, you know, UCLA just went in and just decided to handle business. 86 to 53, completely dismantled them. Made zero issue of it. And then they decided to go in, second round. Walk out of there with a nice little win over Northwestern. Had to squeak one out because Northwestern's a good competitive ball club. Well, they went in and squeaked one out. I mean, Hami Hawkins Jr., 24 points. That's how you do it. Now, they go and play a physical Gonzaga team. A dem bonus day-to-day. And I heard some rumblings that Amari Bailey's dealing with a little ankle issue. He's been playing really well. I believe he'll suit up tonight. That's all the word that there is. He will suit up. But, man, UCLA, they got a ton of talent. Still got Tiger Campbell, still Hami Haquez. Uh, bringing a ton of talented freshmen. Jalen Clark's out for a little bit. Um, but, man, they're talented. They're talented. They could really – they can make a real push at it. Texas. Texas, if you don't know, got a little bit of off-court issues when uh, Chris Beard was fired for allegations we're not going to name. You could look those up on the Internet. Uh, he was released. He has now been rehired. He's now hired in Ole Miss, rehired in college basketball. And so people were wondering where does Texas go from here. Uh, they just decided to go and win the Big 12 tournament and prove to everybody why they should be a number two seed. They're physical, man. They're tough. They play with a real chip on their shoulder. Uh, Serge Jabari Rice is the best pump fake in college basketball. If you've ever watched him, it's a head and shoulder fake where he looks like Chuck Hayes at the free throw line. I mean, it looks like his shoulder is going to pop out of his body, and then he'll just drive by and go get a two-hand dunk. Uh, they got Marcus Carr, the Minnesota transfer from a couple of years back. Tyrese Hunter is the recent Iowa State transfer. Christian Bishop's still there. Uh, Dylan Mitchell, who's the bounciest player in college basketball. That dude, could, he looks like a, like Michael Jordan in Space Jam every time he takes off, man. He just springs off the floor. He looks like he's playing on a trampoline. Just an athletic, athletic human. And so he really, he really I mean, he could really jump. Texas, they've got a lot of talent, and they really work hard on the defensive end. I mean, they do a really great job. And Rodney Terry, to his credit, he was named the interim coach. I mean, man, he has done an excellent job. Their de- defensive intensity is incredible. They play really, really hard. Um, and, man, one through eight, they can go with just about anybody in the country. I mean, they are really, really good. 
Final case, I'm going to play just for Kansas State. Now, I watched Kansas State dismantle Kentucky, and I said, eh, that's a fun team to watch. Run and gun style. Jerome Tang, first year out of Baylor. Marquise Noel, he's a five-eight scrappy point guard from New York City, man. He's just full of tough grit and spite. He looks like he plays with the world on his shoulder. Not a chip. He's playing with a whole boulder on his shoulder. I mean, just hard over high. Keontae Johnson, who was out last year, had to sit out because of a medical issue, um, decided to take a chance on himself, transferred to Kansas State. He's been their best player. Athletic, goes, catches, lobs, physical driver of the basketball, can shoot it sometimes. He didn't mind stepping out 35% from three. He didn't mind stepping out and hitting one occasionally. But, man, they are fun to watch. Run and gun up and down behind the back passes, seamless ball movement, and that great defense that Jerome Tang carried over from Baylor that he learned from Scott Drew after being an understudy for there for so long. Man, they fly. They just fly around. It's a swarm of flies everywhere. Pestering, poking, looking for a little opportunity. Jerome Tang on the sideline, looking like that cool uncle at the barbecue, man. He walks in there, got his track shoot on. They're playing little baby in the locker room. Everybody's getting hyped. They're clapping together. They're feeling good. They go out there, man. They got some rhythm and blues to them. You know what I'm saying? They walk in there like with a swagger about themselves. Their, their, cologne, their confidence is their cologne. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they walk in there like the coolest cats in the room. Not playing on their Wildcats name, but they walk in there, man. They got some swag, and they're willing to go play somebody. And, I mean, they took it to Kentucky. They did a really, really good job of taking it to Kentucky. And, I mean, they got a real chance. Now, they play a tough team in Michigan State. Tom is as good of a March Madness coach as there will ever be. Man, they got a path. They've built themselves a path. We'll see what happens. I mean, they could go ahead and make some noise. Princeton's making some noise. Why can't Kansas State go make a Final Four National Championship run? Go win one. Jerome Tang's first year. How cool would that be? Do what Huber Davis couldn't do and win one in his first year. All right, it's time for players you forgot about. John Stockton, Utah Jazz great, master of the pick and roll with Carl Malone, incredibly high IQ defensive master, all-time leader in steals in the NBA. He has a son. I know you remember that. As a son. His name's David Stockton. David Stockton played at Gonzaga a couple years back. David Stockton currently plays for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants in the NBA G League. David Stockton has averaged 20.1, 17.9, 16.4, 16.3, 15.3, 14.3, 11.2, and 13.7 points per game in the G League. For his NBA career, he's averaged three. G League legend. You watch this guy play. He's 5'11", buck 65, nothing really crazy. His college stats, not really eye-popping. The numbers, 4.8 points per game, 3.1 assists, 42% from the field, 138 career games. Wasn't eye-popping. Stayed in Spokane his whole life, Gonzaga prep kid, played all four years at Gonzaga. Wasn't necessarily the most eye-popping guy. Man, he could fill it up in the G League, though. Career three-point percentage, 37%. It's better than most NBA guys. So, yeah, 
player you forgot about? David Stockton. You know who else he plays with? Alfred Payton. That's a name you guys haven't heard. Orlando Magic legend. New York Knicks legend. Alfred Payton. Justin Anderson, who's kind of a two-way guy. He's a tweener between the Pacers and the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. Kendall Brown, who... I have met and talked to personally. Very, very cool guy. Awesome, awesome dude, Kendall Brown. Really cool guy. Glad for him. One of the bounciest humans you'll ever see. Also, very, very muscular human, sneakily. But yeah, player you forgot about, David Stockton. Again, that's all I have today for the full court press. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, feel free to get at me with any questions on the socials at JJ underscore Rody on Instagram. Um, and yeah, that'll pretty much do. This has been the Full Court Press. Remember, John B. McClendon pioneered it. Rick Pitino mastered it. Bob Huggins made an identity. I'll see you guys next time. 